They say, it's who you know. And our guests on this episode of The Next Us are really good people to know. Jan Martin and Jill Gabler are both former Colorado Springs city councilors, but that is just one bullet point on their resumes. We'll find out what's really going on in the Pikes Peak region next. This is a Studio 809 podcast. Engage. All right, thanks for joining us on The Next Us, the podcast where we help each other find our way in this crazy world with a particular focus on the Pikes Peak region. We're coming to you from the glorious Studio 809 Community Podcast Studio at The Next Us, which is a professional cooperative environment for small businesses in downtown Colorado Springs. Welcome to our great guests. Well, it's like old times getting the three of us back together again. It is. There's some history there. Yes, thank you for... For making this happen, Dave. Well, thanks for letting me make it happen. And I was really excited to introduce Judy to the two of you. And you're, you're the first guest we've had on this pretty young Next Us podcast. Yes, we're looking forward to it. So exciting. Thank yeah. you both for being here. So this is a, the Next Us podcast. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that. So basically, the Next Us here um, physically is a co-working space. Everyone here runs their own business. We are anti-subordinate we have no staff <laughs> oh we are cooperative so everyone here has you know the the sky is the limit they work for what they earn um, and within that is really more a mindset a mentality uh, that can reach beyond the physical building itself and that's where we're bringing the podcast into play so we're looking forward to kind of exploring what that looks like. Um, and it, it, the term we use is co-op autonomy. Nice. Yeah. Very interesting. And this really, this podcast isn't an ad for the next us. No. no. We were curious. Yeah. Yes. But we're taking advantage of the synchronicity there between them, for sure. And Judy, as it happens, she is a really very talented poet and uh, spoken word mm -hmm. artist. So usually every episode, she does something that's really inspiring and entertaining. You have something for us today? I've, I've got something for you today. Oh, cool. Oh, goody. You will like that. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, so we'll do that in hour three of the show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so you alluded to the history we had. You two were the inaugural podcast hosts of the very first Studio 809 podcast, City Talk. City, City Talk. Talk. I was trying to remember the name. Too. City Talk. That's yeah, that right. was a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, started that in 2017. And before that, I can't remember the name of the radio show that preceded that. I've forgotten. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Ancient history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been uh, around anyway. a while. Yeah. So City Talk was great because these two really were really plugged in. So <laughs> if there was something to know, they knew it. Now we're going to test them today and see if they're still plugged in. I think, <laughs> right. they, I think they may be. <laughs> Just in different places in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. That may or may not be interesting yeah at right. all <laughs> yeah. so first off i think we'd be content to let you steer the agenda a little bit since i hear you did some confabulation prior to coming in here so you know a little bit about little what bit. you might want a little to bit. talk about but first just real quick what would you say are the highlights of your resume right now that we want the listeners to know about especially current it's hard to keep old dogs down and uh, those of us that have been really involved in the community you know you just 
can't stop, and you always find new ways to and new things to do. Thank you, thank uh, you, thank you. I'm so glad yes, for that. That's beautiful. <laughs> the two things that keep me the busiest right now is I'm uh, president of the Garden of the Gods Foundation, and we we own the Visitor Nature Center, mm-hmm. and all the proceeds from the Visitor Nature Center flow through to the foundation, and then we present them to the cities on an annual basis. And last year alone, we gave over six hundred thousand dollars to the city to maintain the Garden of the Gods Park. So that's a wonderful organization to be a part of. But even bigger than that and more time-consuming for me right now is um, a couple years ago, we were uh, doing some work and projects kept coming up for Monument and Fountain Creek. Ah. And after my years on council where I had attended I, I would say hundreds of meetings on Fountain Creek, everybody wanting to know, what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? And it, it was the most frustrating thing I did on council because there's just never, never any momentum. It was just all talk. Uh. And so we decided that we were going to pull back and request a grant to do a uh, vision for Monument Fountain Creek. And we were able to get the funding, and we have really, it's just wonderful. If you haven't seen it, you need to go take a look. It's at coscreekplan.org. And it runs from uh, Garden of the Gods Road south to Shooks Run, so all the way down around the Motor City Curve. It's a, it's about a 10-mile a stretch of the river. And, you know, we look at cities all over the all over the state that have figured out what to do with their waterways, and ours is just set pretty dormant for well my lifetime here in Colorado Springs so anyway that's a really exciting project lots happening there and that keeps me very busy these days what about you Jill okay so mm-hmm. let's see I left the city council over two years ago and was kind of uh, waiting for the right thing to come along was doing some contracting in the interim and as of a couple months ago I am now the executive director of a new organization called the Pikes Peak Housing Network and it is really the culmination of many years of work of of a lot of uh, local leaders here in town some of them I'm sure you know like uh, BJ and Randy Scott and um, they have been working on trying to figure out how we solve or have a voice in, in affordable housing and attainable housing in Colorado Springs. And they decided to start a new organization that is working 24-7 on these issues. And so that's what they did. And I am their first executive director. And we have they have chosen not to create a new nonprofit. We have so many nonprofits in the region. And so I am hosted by the chamber and EDC here in town. I sit with them and they they just help me um, with administrative side and um, serve on my, my leadership council. And they care, of course, about a lot of the same things that I care about, it's more in the attainable housing, ensuring we have enough housing for the employees who are coming here for new business and, and to retain for our existing businesses. So I am really excited about this work. I It is the first thing I've been excited about in a really long time. <laughs> and it's, it's a great fit for me. As you may or may not know, before I was on council, I worked for six years at Grecio Housing yeah. in their affordable housing um, nonprofit. And so I, I am again working with them, and which is a joy, and a lot of the other um, housing organizations here in town and I look forward to what we can accomplish. Yeah, I also still serve as, on the uh, the statewide passenger rail district. Yes. And so hopefully we can maybe talk a, a, a little bit about that too. 
Yeah, we hear we're going to be able to hop on a choo-choo starting next year, right? I would love to yeah. hop on a choo-choo. <laughs> oh, we, I, we only wish. It's been a dream of mine forever, yeah. and I'm afraid I won't be here when the first train pulls out. Yeah, I mentioned uh, to you, we mm-hmm. talked about this briefly did, on another yeah. earlier episode, and I think somewhere in there I said maybe within 10 years, and Judy looked pretty skeptical that we could pull it off in 10 <laughs> I, years. I feel like I've heard that a few times, yeah. a few decades. I'm sure over. you're. You have, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm hopeful, more hopeful than I've ever been. So. So that's cool. So if we don't get into that today, we'll bring you back and talk about that at some point. I look forward to that. Let's take a break to share something interesting, Judy. You know, living here in Colorado Springs, you're probably tired of hailstorms damaging your vehicle. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, Studio 809 Podcast has partnered with KJS Auto Hail Repair to come up with an amazing opportunity for you. With over 30 years of industry experience, KJS Auto Hail Repair is the go-to spot for fixing that damage on your vehicle. And if you give them a call or click contact on their website at kjsautohailrepair.com and mention that you are referred by Studio 809, you'll automatically receive $100 back in your pocket when your repairs are completed. Yep. So don't let that hail damage stress you out. KJS Auto Hail Repair can have your car looking brand new in no time. Give them a call or visit kjsautohailrepair.com and let them take care of the rest. Your car will thank you and so will your wallet. All right, so what top secret <laughs> gossip do you have for us? Gossip? <laughs> <laughs> Jill, I wanted to ask you, as I was listening to you and know the journey that you've taken, um, what's, what's post-council life like for you? You were so busy for eight years. It's all you did when you were on council. You lived it. That's all That's all your life was. So how is post-council life? I think that's an interesting question, especially coming from you, because I learned so much from Jan when I was on council. And you used to say that when you were making decisions, the first thing you would think about is what's best for the city of Colorado Springs. And, and that really stayed with me as far as decision-making and post-council, I think we both have strongly considered how to stay engaged with our city and doing things that support the future of Colorado Springs. And I mean, I hear that in everything you're doing, and that's really all I, all I wanted to do. I, I confess I've done a lot more traveling, and my husband is an airline pilot, so it, that makes it easy for me. And, and so we've had a lot of fun um, traveling around the world, and we always come back to Colorado Springs, though, because we are right at the foot of Pikes Peak, and there's just no other place I'd rather live. It's hard to believe you're having any fun flying. <laughs> <laughs> Must not be Spirit or Southwest. <laughs> All I gotta say is the most unsafe uh, part of your trip by air is the car ride to the airport. So um, we lose forty thousand people on our roads every single year, and we lose very few in uh, commercial airline travel. So there's your plug for airline uh, travel. Yeah, <laughs> Almost all modes, beside uh, private vehicle, are. All of them are far safer than your car. I thought I was uh, a high-status flyer because they kept sitting me near the, the, the <laughs> yeah. plug door. The emergency exit. <laughs> yeah, no. I would say if you're going to sit by the exit, just wear your seatbelt. You'll be fine. Make sure, make sure it's an exit that's supposed to be an exit. It's <laughs> funny. Okay. It's funny. So, so anyway, I, I mean, everything I did was was in support of the city. Whether it was Kono, I did some some co- most of my contracting was around um, government relations, helping people to work with the city. I worked with PPACG, just kind of waiting to see if the perfect thing would come. And housing, I mean, by almost everyone's 
agenda is like right at the top right mm-hmm. now. So I, I hope we can can really move the needle with the legislative session starting now. The city council is starting to address some things. And so I, I look forward to working with them again, too. One of the unique things about city councilors, you know, there's, there's, I've always said this, there's not a whole lot of us that actually fill those seats over the years. But we learn so much and the contacts we make really put us in a very unique position to continue to work on things to further the city after we're done. It's very unique, and I'm glad that both of us have found a spot to sort of land in where we can continue to make a difference. Yeah, I I agree. And I mean, that could kind of lead into the conversation we thought about discussing, which is just city council and where we believe they should be going. And and their composition right now, I, I, I get a little concerned about them because there's just not a lot of experience on that council. You have uh, Yolanda Avila, who is going to be term limited in two years. Um, and then you have uh, three or four council members who've been there two years. And uh, especially over at Utilities Board, right now with our $1.3 billion utility, municipally owned utility, having some really considerable experience is, is really needed considering the decisions they're making. So, Well, you would think with the high pay that they would be able to attract <laughs> and retain <laughs> good people. It's a retention. I used to always say to Jill and others, I still, I've told some of the current council members this, I think it takes two years to really get your feet under you and to really be in a position to know enough to make good, solid decisions. And these guys are just all new. They're, it's a problem. You know, when the charter changed and we went to the new mayor form of government, the strong mayor form of government, it also changed the number of districts. We added districts and yeah. it, it reduced the number of at-large candidates. So we now have three at-large and six districts. And the the problem is, is the elections are every two years. Two years you have at-large, then two more years you have district races. But those six district seats all come up at one time. And that seems Mm. to be, we've seen since the strong mayor came in, those races are almost total turnovers. So six new people come in to a council um, during that time with no experience who think they're the cats meow and they come in to want to take over and there's just so much to learn you just uh i've noticed that that's a problem uh, with these with the turnover that we've seen well and that's what happened when i came in the first time and i came in with five other new people and poor jan martin was just shaking her head all these new people and it was um a mostly older gentlemen who really did think they knew what was going on. They quickly took leadership of the council, and it was a complicated couple of years, especially considering the mayor didn't work well with this group, <laughs> as I recall. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I get concerned now because there are um, renewed conversations around changing the governance of the utilities board away from the city council members. And there are people who have long been supporters of city council, like Scott Hente, who are now supportive of changing the composition because it's it's really, it's, it's a complicated job that requires a lot of knowledge. And as Jan said, you, you get elected to city council and suddenly you are also the board member for a billion dollar utility. And it's a lot. 
So how do you feel? Does that mean you kind of like the idea of... I, I am open to exploring what that would look like. I don't think having nine new elected board members makes sense because they'll just get chosen by a few people. I think it makes sense to have kind of a mix, maybe a few council members, maybe a couple people who are appointed by council or appointed by the mayor. So I, I, I think it, there's a blend conversation might be best for our city. We, we are getting to be a big city with a big utility, and there are a lot of things that have not been going well over the last few years, which people could point to as a reason for change. Well, if this idea came from the same wonderful folks who gave us the strong mayor reorganization, then two thumbs down. Well, you're exactly <laughs> right. It would have to be a, a community conversation yeah, where we yeah. work together yeah. to figure out what's best. I'm just kind of disappointed. I'm, obviously, I'm gonna have to start paying more attention. <laughs> Make sure that they don't pull a fast one on the city. Well, it would have to go to the ballot, so so <laughs> it wouldn't happen that'd without be hard a vote. to miss. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing, but it is it's it's easy to capture the public's attention because utility rates go up. You know, their uh, gas prices go up. It's just natural, and people don't like to pay more. And so it's in the easy for the public to get on board of, well, if we had an elected board that we may be paid, we would be better off. And I think what those of us that have been around a long enough time know that if you do elections for utility boards, I worry a lot that those seats would be bought and paid for. And um, the, the nice thing about having council serve as utility boards is council generally really understands their role as representing the citizens. Yeah. And um, I, when they go over to utilities, they're called ratepayers instead of citizens. But I think councils generally have been have really focused and understood that the, their priority was the ratepayer. Whereas if you bring in um, some other people into that mix, it's very possible that they would ha have a special interest focus versus specific to the ratepayer. So I, there's a lot to talk about. I, I certainly would be open to the conversation, but I think an, a hybrid is probably the way to look. It's great to have representation. And Judy, I'll tell you that you know we have some of the best rates going because uh, it is a municipally owned utility mm -hmm. and uh, usually the, in past conversations the the people proposing that we need a different board an unelected board their notion has been that it needs to run more like a business well the utilities that are for-profit businesses out there they have the higher rates there's excel not a, is a great energy yeah. a great example. example up yeah. in denver they're their electric company and i've read recently the billions of dollars in profit they make every year yeah, right. i mean that's money that here we're uh, our we don't utilities is non-profit yeah. so there is no there is no profit so that money that normally would go to shareholders is absorbed back into the organization so Absolutely. we're very fortunate yeah. we're one of the few uh, cities in the whole country that own all four of their uh, utilities. Wow. Yeah. And so as far as ownership goes, we are really in a good spot. Mm -hmm. Governance is really the question. Right. Well said. But Jill, you have a point that uh, just being on council is more than a full-time job and utilities board is... It is a lot. A and lot. as you uh, alluded to, they are still paid $6,200 a year. And um, until we can afford to pay them 
some sort of living wage, I fear we won't get the best qualified candidates who run for office. It's a diversity that I always, so when we talk about pay that I think about, I, I think our council should mirror our city from a diversity perspective. And mm. it just doesn't because of the, of the pay. Yeah. There's very few people who can afford to spend the hours that are required um, at that pay level. You're either older, retired, or independently wealthy. You know, in the last election, uh, last April, there were quite a few candidates for city council who kind of fit that bill. Uh, I found myself wondering, how are they going to do it if they get elected? Well, I think a lot of them misunderstood the time commitment or assumed that they could just work a a smaller amount of time. And you can. I mean, if you really just want to do the bare minimum, you can get away with doing that. You're you're not representing your citizens as you should, but Mm -hmm. um, it certainly can happen. If I had just a little bit more spare time, I think I would raise my hand and say, okay, I'm going to finally... Do it again? No, I'm going to spearhead getting decent pay. Oh, yeah. I I mean, the last time it was on the ballot was in 2013. And it was uh, really the ballot measure asked citizens to pay half of what the mayor was receiving. And back then it was like going to be 48,000, I think. And it failed two to one. And I think, I mean, there have been others since then that have tried to do it. And there's always this this concern around ballot measures. We don't want to have too many ballot measures on on any one ballot asking the citizens for money. Yeah. And so the powers that be always decide which issue is most important and needs to go to ballot this year. And it just never seems to rise to the top. One of the issues that I had found with the question of council pay, too, is that normally council is the one that ends up putting it on the ballot so that you don't have to do petitions. So council puts it on the ballot. But then there's been no no concerted effort to raise campaign funds to run a campaign to explain to the public why there would be value in this. So there's been very little campaign effort that's gone into actually trying to pass a ballot measure for council pay. Um, if it's on there, and I, my personal friends will say to me, why the heck would I want to pay you $15,000 a year, you know, to do this? This is public service. And so I think a, a good campaign could help to really inform the public of why it would make a difference to pay a council. You know, in Denver, they make well over $100,000. And our Crazy. county commissioners yeah. do also. Their salaries are are set by the state legislature. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure we need to pay at that level. I think it'd be great oh, just I to know. see us pay 35000 a right. year even. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what do you think, Judy? Just to give other... <laughs> professionals an opportunity to step into the yes. ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's right. not just a bunch of retirees. Right. Yeah, and so they don't have to depend so much on the bribes from the special interest. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I never once saw any bribing going on in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you did get a credit card that you could buy all the pizza you could eat for free. You never got a credit card. I no? think that that council member blew it for the rest of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jill remembers that story. I guess I'm sure Jan does too. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Pizza Judy? Gate. Do you remember no. Pizza Gate? Yeah. What was his what name? Do? Charles. Charles I do remember Charles Charles Wingate. Wingate. Yeah. Right. yeah, we had a city council member who was charging pizzas on his city credit card. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that was a 
Did yeah. he get impeached? I can't remember what happened, or did he resign? He can't get impeached. He can't get impeached, but I think he resigned, as I remember. Yeah. 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 So I'm hoping that you two might be uh, able to bring us now or in the future some good updates about City Auditorium. Do you know anything about what's going on there? I don't have any updates at all. I don't no. know. Um, I mean, what you read in the paper is what we know. What you know. I mean, it's a beautiful building that needs to stay owned by the city. I'll say that. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in case you don't know, if you're listening and you don't know why we're even talking about it, there was a, the Colorado Springs Community Cultural Collective had a deal with the city to take over city auditorium and raise a bunch of money to really rehab it. And um, they couldn't raise the money. So they kind of walked away from that deal. I think that leaves the city wondering what they're going to do. But I think it does also get, give the city a chance to maybe come up with a better right. plan. Right. Yeah. The the ball's in their court and they, they need to figure out a way to, to fund the, the upgrades to that, that facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody's asked Matt Mayberry about it. I bet he has ideas. That's what uh, I always... <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he does. <laughs> he, he runs cultural services for the city and the Pioneers Museum, and which is a beautiful facility. So We might have to have Matt in sometime to... <laughs> I think that's a good idea. ...discuss that, yeah. I looked at your list, and I, I thought what might be fun, which could start some you know fireworks in the room, is talking about um, height restrictions in downtown <laughs> Colorado Springs. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's coming up, isn't it? It is. It's a hot topic right now. I've been asked by several people about, well, what do you think about this? And I'll tell a really quick story. This is how I got involved in politics. Back in 2003, the county had decided they were going to build a new courthouse. And they went to the voters, and the voters said, no, we're not going to. We're not going to give you the money. Well, the next day, the next county commissioner meeting, the county commission decided, well, we don't, it's okay. We're going to build it anyway. And we're going to build it across the street from the Pioneers Museum. And it's going to be an eight-story building (laughs) right on Tejon Street. And I was on the Pioneers Museum advisory board at that time. And I got a call from Matt Mayberry, who we were talking about. And he said, would you and Chuck Murphy, we were both on the board, and would you go to the next county commissioner meeting and just see if there isn't another option for this uh, building they're going to build right across the street from an eight-story tall on Tejon. Blocking the Blo- and well, from the Pioneers Museum. We had Museum. spent the previous couple years raising funds to for the statue of Catherine Lee Bates, which sits right <laughs> in front. And Catherine Lee Bates, as you know, wrote America the Beautiful from the top of Pike's Peak. So her statue was placed so that she could see Pike's Peak. Huh. So Chuck and I went to this county commissioner meeting, and I, to say the least, it was my first involvement in politics, going to this meeting, and we were basically told to shut up and sit down. And I was so offended and so was Chuck when we left that meeting that we just got all worked up and started got all sorts of people involved we had hundreds of people involved in trying to save the view of a statue in downtown (laughs) Colorado Springs like I say it was my first involvement in local politics and I I found that I just loved it and I would jump out of bed every morning so excited to go see what we could do and it's if you ever drive down Tejon today across from the where the courthouse is today you'll see that the compromise was a two-story entrance with a six-story courthouse actually over on Cascade side so as you walk out the door of the Pioneers Museum today always stop and look up and what you'll see is Pikes Peak so I, I had a very early 
involvement with views in downtown Colorado mm-hmm. Springs, and I learned a lot from that process. So you, go <laughs> ahead and talk about where things are today. Where, well, as of today, we have one developer downtown who has propo- proposed a 36-story building, which is um, residential. So it would it would house apartments, condos, something like that. And make housing affordable suddenly throughout town. Well, it would potentially help. That's the supply and demand, you know. Com- <laughs> so they would have a, a mixed ratio, a, a sliding I, scale. I don't. Or? I don't think they have have gotten that far. far yeah. It is a proposal and. To be fair, to be honest, um, downtown has an unlimited height restriction of buildings only in one one piece of downtown. They call it the central district, which is one quarter of one mile of one percent of the entire city of Colorado Springs. So we have a, a very small space in our city where we can actually build tall buildings. And yeah, I think that every great city should have the opportunity to build great buildings and in in this location it's it's of course zoned for that but the neat thing about downtown Colorado Springs in the way General Palmer built it is that from every east-west road especially Pikes Peak Avenue Mm -hmm. you can see the mountain Mm -hmm. so no matter where you are from the streets you will always see the mountain to to say you know you're going to block my view of the mountain well yeah, in a couple of spaces here and there, you might, but in the vast majority of downtown, you will always see the mountain. So the proposed tower is in the zone where it there's is. no high risk. It it's is. where okay. the jury parking lot is it's, now. Yeah, it's where, where okay. the, yeah, just south of uh, Vermahoe, across from the county building. So whose view will it block? Probably the plaza. <laughs> yeah, it could be. The plaza of the Rockies. <laughs> the plaza of the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> A Norwood it, it, building. It won't bother <laughs> Catherine Lee Bates. We'll it won't still. bother <laughs> Catherine Lee Bates, which yeah, is yeah. the ultimate concern. <laughs> so, I mean, as it as it is, I I strongly support the idea of of doing this. There's one council member, um, Dave Donaldson, who I don't know why has just decided we shouldn't do this, and um, he represents the West Side. And I don't know if the West Side does, just doesn't want to look downtown and see a tall building. It's offensive. Um, I could more see people in Shooks Run or you know people who live east of here yeah. in a single story building. It, that still won't hurt their view, but they would look over and maybe see a tall building. But um, we do have a, a significant housing shortage, and anything we can do to support unique types of housing, um, I have heard that it would be more luxury. But there's a there's a place for that, and when someone moves out of market rate housing into luxury, they have just opened up market rate. And then somebody who's living in attainable moves to market, and then my son can then afford housing. So there's a housing continuum that we are we are trying to build housing along that spectrum to ensure everyone has a place that meets their income needs, and and of course where they want to live. I I, I just was at a um, a planning commission meeting. Oh my gosh, I love going to these meetings again. And it was to to speak in support of an affordable and attainable apartment project up on the north side at the kind of the corner of Powers and Woodman. It's just just basically across the street from UC Health Hospital there and Children's Hospital uh-huh. on you know adjacent to two arterial roads. It is zoned for multifamily housing. The developer is actually building affordable and attainable housing. Mm-hmm. They've gotten some some block grants for this or some bonding for this, and the neighbors came out in force to say, 
absolutely not. You know, this is right next to our our single family homes. It's going to hurt traffic. It's going to fill up our schools. And I, I, I said, I mean, among other things, I said, there is zero affordable and attainable housing up here. It's all in the Southeast. Because they kept saying, we support affordable housing, you just need to put it in the Southeast. And you have a lot of people who work at that hospital, who work in the employment center right around that hospital, who don't want to drive from the Southeast. They want to live near where they work and keeping their transportation costs low and keeping congestion low on our streets that we all care about. So having multiple types of housing all over our city is is creating a diverse and healthy city. So that that kind of project downtown would be great because we have a lot of market rate housing. You're seeing it growing all over the place. Four stories high, market rate housing. We need other types of housing in our downtown too. I think our host today is a former head of Ghostbusters, or was it Ghost? Oh, was Growthbusters. it? Growthbusters. Growthbusters. <laughs> That's right. I knew I was close. You it hit was, a trademark. It was, it was Growthbusters. <laughs> yeah. well, what are your thoughts when you hear about well, something and, like and this? Well, and caveat, I mean, Dave is now running for president. I don't know if you know this. Oh, president of the United States. United States. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. So he's still on message. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I, I will say that I would not in blanketly condemn NIMBYs. I think that there are some times when people should oppose projects. My preference is that they don't just oppose projects across the street from them, but oppose a project anywhere in town that they think is stupid. And I don't think we get enough of that. You know, usually to get people involved, it has to be something right across the street from them. And unfortunately, there are certain things that nobody wants right across the street from them. And you can kind of understand that. And I'm wondering if the guy, being a growth buster, where I moved back here to my hometown from Dallas, Texas, because it was insane. You spent your life on the freeway, and people were shooting each other on the freeway. I did not move to Denver. I chose to move to Colorado Springs. Having a 36-story tower, I'm thinking, might make Dave Donaldson and other people think, ooh, it's starting to look like Denver. And that's you know that's just an emotional thing. I would rather we don't start to look like Denver. And that does seem like a step in the... Metropolitization. I think I'm forgetting a syllable there, Jill. No, I think (laughs) I think you made up a great word there. Yeah, but But, um, I mean, I I I hear you. I don't think building one building makes us Denver, and I think you know whether you're a growth buster or not, growth is coming. So we have to figure out how to do it well. Growth is actually ending. Right. This century. Just not it's coming to an end. in Colorado Springs, it yeah. seems. <laughs> Colorado Springs wants to be the last to embrace that. I worry, and so that will be my last sermon, is that at some point we need to stop building. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting on a lot of vacant mm. right. buildings as the population starts to decline. I saw a, a story, I think it was on 60 Minutes, just this week about downtowns across the country and how since the pandemic, people aren't going back to the offices, and right. you have these giant giant buildings which makes you wonder why that other office tower is on the horizon too right there's a 12 story 12 story yeah that is a a, another project just south of there and um, it just seems like a weird time to be adding that much office inventory and and i don't know a lot about that one except what i read in the paper and so they're not going to build until they have it filled oh right so they know who their tenants are so that we'll see if that happens You know, I often say, I grew up here, and in the 50s, there were only 40,000 people in Colorado Springs. So in my lifetime alone, 
look what we've seen. My dad was a car dealer here in town, and he was in favor of growth sure. because it, it was good for the, for the business. And so I sort of grew up with that. But watching the growth in Colorado Springs, the trick is for smart growth. Mm-hmm. Right. And to not just let it run rampant, which we sort of have here in Colorado Springs. Our sprawl has been remarkable. But it's because the land is cheaper and it's easier to build with new infrastructure out there rather than try to infill. Mm-hmm. So we are what we've created yeah, in we're a kind sense. Of, yeah, our city is addicted to it. And we're so right. worried that we won't grow, that we give it away. We don't require growth to pay its way. We could do better. At that, that's my big yeah. criticism: is we're too busy subsidizing growth for it to ever provide the big payday that right. we. Right, I do think would. what Jan is suggesting around infill. I mean, everything I'm reading in this new role around infill versus greenfield development, mm-hmm. it costs a city, for instance, about half as much to provide services to an infill project as it does to, to for a greenfield project. As you're expanding the footprint of your public safety adding utilities, maintaining utilities, adding roads, maintaining roads are really hard. So anytime we can infill, we should be instead of growing our community. And I I just noticed, um, I've been reading the new code, the new zoning code. You know, it used to be called Chapter 6. They've moved it to Chapter 7, and it's the unified UDC, UDC. I can't remember what the D stands for. Development code. I bet you can't put that down. Actually, I love it. But right at the beginning, it has like overarching themes. And one of them is that the city should be growing in a, a logically outward, mm-hmm. where, you know, now we're trying to annex these areas that, you know, don't make any sense at all, that we'd have to provide 10 miles of, of new utility infrastructure. So at least they're trying to create you know larger policy statements around growing in a smart way mm-hmm. it'll, it'll it remains to be seen if we actually do that yeah and i don't mean to give the impression that i'm opposed to having more you know dense housing in the center of town because we are way too spread out and we way, are. T- way too car dependent and that promotes transit yeah it does you're right and trains yeah trains they <laughs> the trains do need some passengers buying tickets yeah i mean it's fascinating to me i went to school at Northeastern University in Boston and I worked for the Center for Urban and Regional Policy there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched a lot of action on the um, idea of, like you're saying, the infill, the redevelopment you know, of what's already there. What do we have? How can we improve the infrastructure we already have and work within these limits rather than the, the sprawl? And so it's it's fascinating to me because at that time they were building more high-rises and they were requiring that those be mixed rate properties Mm -hmm. so that you had everyone at different, you know, different scales all within that same, because if you look at, you know, your square footage, even if you're building up, it's the same kind of um, concept as building out. And so it's, it's fascinating to hear that in the Northeast, um, they've got these opinions, you know, and really you have to work on a small scale to improve things efficiently rather than to put something over here, something over there, something over here, something over there. You know, it's got to be that mixed use mentality where we're able to maintain the infrastructure, improve the infrastructure and work with what we have and improve what we have. So it's fascinating to hear because Colorado Springs is, you know, new in growth and these kinds of things. And we've had this opportunity to watch cities all over the country 
you know, Denver also is not ready for growth. And so it's like, you know, how do we approach these situations so that when we grow, we are growing smart, we are taking care of not only the people who can pay for it, but the people who are supporting those um, in the infrastructure who pay for it. The dichotomy and one of the problems, because we've we both sat on council and made many decisions, planning decisions. And the, the dilemma here in Colorado Springs is we really believe in private property rights. Mm-hmm. So if you come to us and you want to build another, in my case when I was on council, another bar on Tejon Street, which was filled with bars at that time, the government really, the philosophy is the government shouldn't be telling you what you can do with your property. And so it, to try to put some restrictions on growth, which could also at the same time restrict people's private property rights. Mm-hmm. And that's the dilemma. Yep. And you, fi- you face that with every single decision that comes your way. Do we have a right to tell them what to do with their property? Well, I don't know. And that's kind of, and the but the end result is if you don't, have some restrictions the the result is the sprawl yeah and so finding that balance and trying to find a happy medium there is it's in my time on council it was almost impossible to find a way to really manage that well i think i mean you mentioned the bar example Mm -hmm. but i think when when we grow outward it's usually because developers are coming to us with with a development a residential development and the city doesn't proactively come in and build roads so the developer creates that development and they create a metro district and they tax the future homeowners to build and maintain that those roads and public spaces and for me it's always been the city should be actively working with them to ensure they're building a neighborhood that the people want. Mm-hmm. And that's the mixed use yeah. that Judy's yeah. talking about of ensuring that uses are overlapping. I live in the Patty Jewett neighborhood. I mean, everybody wants to live there. Why? Because it's on a grid grid street. I have a Safeway up the street. I have a coffee shop down the street. We have mixed our zones. Again, keeping congestion low because I can walk and yeah. bike to my commercial activities. Yep. And we, we don't build like that anymore. We build separating our uses. And we the, the developers are need to be working with the city to do that. I have heard that Banning Lewis Ranch, the, the newer portion owned by Norwood, they are really trying to do that. I haven't seen the development plan, but supposedly they understand that they're trying to mix the uses. They're trying to kind of build um, in like a separate little maybe downtown-like product. And it'll be interesting to see if that can move forward well and that other developers can do something similar if indeed they're doing that. That really is where the government has some say, though, is in the zoning. Mm -hmm. and Because they can direct the building on properties based upon the the metro districts. I mean, we have some leverage that I don't think we abdicate to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yep, but you're right. Private property rights are definitely... uh, Challenge. I'm a big supporter of private property rights, so. (laughs) I think you almost have to be when you're on council because you really get a full vision and grasp of what that means. And if it was you that owned that piece of property, you wouldn't want somebody telling you what you could do with it. Right. I mean, I I was shocked when I first came into this space here and approached city planning um, about what I, you know, what my dream was or what I had seen and immediately was shut down at 
at every corner. You know, they said, well, the FBZ zone is actually on the other side of your parking lot. So no. Oh, really? Um, and so it was like, wow, I'm trying to bring vibrance to downtown. I'm trying to do these things. I'm trying to, you know, I'm coming from Boston. I just watched all these things happen. I'm trying to do, and they just, you know, closed the book on everything I brought up, you know, and, and it's it's fascinating to hear those things, um, especially, you know, I mean, even for example, and I'm not sure if this is still true, but you can't collect rainwater um, you know, I mean, if, if, if anyone's Jill shooting, if anyone's shooting for sustainability or trying to even ease the weight of utilities or these kinds of things, it's a it's a real problem. And so it's like, how do we bring these people together so that the private property rights are optimized at the same time that you know the community is thriving for it? Well said, Judy. Thank you. We're going to have some good conversations in future episodes because we're, I think we're kind of out of time. We're, we can't do anything else on your list unless you oh, insist. Gosh, we oh, have so many fun things yeah. to talk about. So you got to come back. Okay. We're not ending the episode, so keep listening. But I'm turning the corner because we have this regular feature, Words of Wisdom from Judy, and I want you two to see what I think is so cool about okay. being Great. in this building, being on this podcast. So, Judy, is it okay if we segue right to whatever sure. you have to share? And, and I won't um, even give it any intro. I'll just take a deep breath and get started. Okay. Some say that all of the universe's events, not only as actions and happenings, but all events from thoughts, words, and emotions to include intent, have been are currently and continue to be through time for all expressions of life imprinted in the instant and perpetually stamped, not only to be tracked, but potentially accessed by either enlightenment, divinity, or both. We've come up with a myriad of explanations and ways to navigate, paved roads to go by, and there's always a new angle to see it from, and infinitesimal perceptions to run through. Experience is the most intimately personal truth. And even as we exist here together now, each of our takeaways will be our own, based on who we are right now, rooted in how we've grown, depending on our current state in this moment, coming in wrapped up in our personal experiences as we each work to explore our feelings and choose the route of our reasoning and rationalization skills at every turn. So I stand in reverence to all that has been, is now, and ever will be, and feel blessed to be in your presence, surrounded by such powerful expressions of life, or as I perceive it. By looking at the farthest observable point from Earth as it continues to expand, scientists gather that the end of our universe is 46 billion light years from Earth. Boom. Man is simply on a conquest to fathom it. Let's zero in on our solar system. We revolve around our star, the sun, and we're influenced by all that is bound by its gravity. And we open our eyes to how fascinating the facets are as we sit on our axis, fully immersed in it. Life on Earth. As we explore the cultures and document the patterns through time, we each pursue our own renditions of who we are, from whence and wherefore to. And we are asking, how can we best evolve together? We are the human species. We think we are conscious. We've got that cerebral cortex using languages. We're forming ideas, expressing them, and interacting now, now on a global level, to a viral extent. We're blending among cultures and have riveting exchanges 
As we each further explore all the vines and exponential ways we grow and intertwine limitless, unique styles of life. So thank you for being who you are. We're here to optimize our existence and reach for individual fulfillment, and we win when we support each other as we move forward. We're out here training to be professionals. We're working to hone our skills and aim for the directions of our paths. Some of us are making our dreams come true. For others, each dream is new. And we're seeing that assumptions are truly never what they seem. We expect the unexpected when we very least expect it. We must craft our movements wisely because our thoughts, feelings, and intentions guide our actions, and that's how we present in this dimension. So we are co-op autonomists, each finding our way to bloom. Together, we make up the most diverse perennial garden. We're rooted in challenges, anchored by the deep-seated weight of all that came before us. And we're aiming to think globally local, act locally global, and reach every bit further in growth together. Vines intertwined. We're finding our way to flourish. Wow. Beautiful. Very impressive, Judy. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That. I think what she's saying is free hot dogs for everybody. No? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a takeaway. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so there'll be a class later for those of you who couldn't figure out what she... <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, where, that's yeah. where that little bit of a poet comes through, too. You yeah. can hear that mm-hmm. yeah. in your writings. I was on council when we created a Colorado Springs Poet Laureate. Actually, oh, wonderful. I was there when we got the first one. Can't remember who it was, but so you might think about that someday. So good. I would love to see her out there performing a little bit. So thank you for blessing us with your uh, presence and your thoughts and your wisdom. Thanks for having us. I'm David's sorry we don't we don't know the gossip anymore. Yeah. <laughs> have to turn to somebody else for gossip, <laughs> yeah. but but, wisdom, it, but it sounds and... like you're making the moves and putting the work in to help the progress strategically. So thank you for that. Thank you. That's that's very kind. <laughs> it is. It's it's fun for us to come together it too. Is. To, we we still see each other. We still hang out. You know, once you share good. experiences like this, you don't lose that. That's good. I'm glad you're still working on that foundation for that quaint little park on little, the west the side of parka, town that yeah. nobody visits. <laughs> right. That what is that? The most visited public yeah. park in the country? Yeah, or? and it's a, it was the number two vacation spot in the world oh my by travel advisor man yeah and i'm glad to know you're still on the front range passenger rail, rail district district board yep. whatever and keep your eye on monument and fountain creek yep lots about to happen right and you gave us a link to find out more information dot org. right and uh, we'll all get uh, council pay boosted yeah we will <laughs> all right thank you guys Is so much yeah thank you thank yeah. you judy dave as always thanks If you want to be in the know and be a good community citizen, check out Studio809podcasts.com, where you'll find many other community podcasts in the Studio 809 Podcasts family. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. In the Pikes Peak region, there's no shortage of activities. Whether you're experiencing breathtaking parks or magnificent works of art, if you're getting fashionable at a film festival or fresh at a farmer's market, If you want to hear the sweet sounds of a symphony or the smooth shred of a Stratocaster, look no further than Peak Radar, your one-stop shop for all events in the Pikes Peak region, your free source for viewing and posting events. So no matter how you engage with our beautiful region, visit peakradar.com and get plugged into the peak.